So today, when we talk to you, part two, I want to thank Mark because I was pretty ill last week. I might have been able to tough it through, but I'm thinking, I got all these anointed men and women of God preachers. I might as well just call somebody. And Mark's like, I call him like, what, 8 o'clock or something? I don't know. 1130? Saturday morning. Okay. I was like, man, it wasn't that late, was it? <laughs> but I had a serious sinus infection, and I just had called him. And man, did he knock it out of the park last week or what? <clears throat> so what an awesome So I'm going to do part two of establishing the we. <clears throat> and today we're going to talk about relationships, but I'm also going to lean toward marriage. And I want to really get into that a little bit today. I want to start with the uh, scripture that Mark kicked it off with, and it's from the uh, Passion Translation, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. <clears throat> it says, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and dis disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place, a safe shelter, for it, is, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat. It never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It's more enduring than, the t than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. So these scriptures, what are they talking about? Are they talking about giving or receiving? What are they talking about? Giving or receiving? Because when we begin to realize that where we want to go in any relationship, any significant relationship, a relationship that you want to sustain, a relationship that you want to see make it throughout, the, throughout time, all the way to the end, whatever that significant relationship is, maybe it's someone you're dating, you think it's going to be, you're going to be engaged and then eventually married, maybe it's you that are married, whatever it is. And then other relationships. We have other significant relationships. That doesn't mean they're intimate ones, right? We have relationships with friends. We have relationships with co-workers. We have relationships with people we're in ministry with. And every one of those relationships operate at a different level because the reason they operate at a different level is because of the stamp of importance we put on it. So whatever we focus on, Whatever we, whatever we put that stamp on, that's where that, that relationship arises. Have you ever had someone that's a friend or a work associate, and you always thought, I like that person, they're really nice, but for some reason, something happens in a relationship, and you have to pull away because maybe, the, you know, the, the guardrails are coming off and all that, and it tears them up, it breaks them apart, and you're like, I didn't know that they thought we had that kind of relationship. I didn't know that they depended on me that much for significance and, and kindness and all those things. And I believe we've all been shocked in those kinds of relationships, especially during your dating life, all you that are married now, right? But when you're going through that whole thing, and many of you are in that now. But what I want you to realize, guys, is that we are the ones that need to determine how the relationship is going to flow. We have more control than we think we do. And as we focus on you rather than me or focus on we rather than me and how it relates to others, to use a phrase that we're going to drive home today, focus on me or focus on 
win. So whenever we see a scripture that says that love wins, love wins every time. And, and by the way, love is not something you want. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. As a matter of fact, it's not a decision. It's a constant decision that we make daily, multiple times a day, right? We choose. We choose. What's our language of love, right? Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's a touch. Maybe whatever it is. But we, we, we are constantly communicating where our love meter is to the person that we love the most, especially in holy matrimony or in marriage. But it's up to us to choose that love will always win, even when it's not comfortable, even when it's not going our way. Secondly, most of the time, it's not a love issue. It's an understanding or an alignment issue. You know, everyone comes into a relationship with who we've been. We are today the sum total of every decision we've made in the past, but we are also today a product of not only children of God, but we're product of those who influence us most. And our parents or parent or some loved one that raised you had the most influence in the early stages of your life. And you will take on the same approach toward money that they took. If, if they were frivolous and they wasted or they didn't understand it, you might start out like that and figure, I can't live like this. And you have to change the pattern to deal, deal with finances. It might be the way that you communicate to the person you love. Maybe they had a relationship where they yelled a lot or they screamed a lot or they held grudges or they had pettiness more than regular marriages do, right? And, and, and you find yourself, whenever you get frustrated or agitated, expressing yourself the same way. I cannot tell you countless people in my life that I've counseled, that I've spoken to that 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 couldn't stand their dad, hated their dad, hated their mother. And, you know, I'm trying to coach them through that and, and teach them that you got to love. Love never quits. Love never fails. Love never gives up. And they don't realize they have taken on that same attitude, right, that same pattern of speech, that same pattern of thought life, that same pattern of expression of the very people they envy the least, of the very people they want to be the opposite of. They want to be away from them. And here they are, they're expressing themselves in a way that their parents expressed them to their own children or to their own spouse or to their close friends. You know, a lot of times whenever we realize that, whenever we don't, we fail to realize that love never gives up, love never fails, love is never about me, it's about you, it's about we. And whenever we begin to understand that, we got to come to the conclusion in our life that we put that first, that we select it, that we choose it, and that it is words, it is actions, it is deeds, right? It, it, it is facial expressions, believe it or not, right? Every component of our life will let someone know that they're loved, that they're appreciated, that they're thought well loved. And so as we begin to think about that, it's about communication and it's about trust. How do we communicate with those we care, love the most? I know whenever I first gave my life to Christ, uh, when I was just turned 21, and you know, a lot of you know my history, alcohol, drugs, all that craziness, you know, partying out of colleges and all that. But, uh, but God just really anointed me with an entrepreneur spirit. And my pastor, Pastor Art Hobbs, just took a real love for me and mentored me. And within a few months, I started a thing called the Martin County Christian Athletic Association. You know, I'm still holding a flag for the county over here because I bombed out everything I'd been in as far as an adult. And that thing took off, and we had a basketball league, then we had a softball league. 
it got so big, I think we had between seven, average between 17 to 20 churches participating. Now, in that little county, that's a lot. And there was probably 500 athletes or so in just about, especially when you had softball. There was several hundred in, in, in when you had all the basketball and all the family. We would, we would pack out a, a, an elementary or a middle school gym whenever we would have games. We had referees. We had all this stuff. But the key was... Every church had to have a representative that met with me monthly as a group. And then everyone, if you played that Sunday, you had to be at church the previous Sunday. So what happened was in our own little church, there was about maybe 30% of the church was men. And we had all these lovely ladies, married, young, older, and, and, and they couldn't get their spouse to come to church at all. And before long, within about six months, our church tripled in size and the men, there were as many ministers as women. And then, you know, life starts to happen. You know, technicals get called. Stuff gets going on. And you got to coach them. And you got to love them. We had so many of those men saved and baptized. And they're still serving God today. But it didn't just happen there. It happened all over the community. And then whenever there was a bis, disgruntle or something went on, and I'd have to, you know, me, the little young 21-year-old, talking to these elders and deacons and you know, preachers and all that. And I just have to say, no, that's wrong. Here's the way we decided. You can't treat a ref. You can't do that. And whenever we would do that, it was like that uh, they'd say, you know what, Marion, you're right. You're right. Because we've had more people saved this year than we've ever in the last 10 years in our church. So we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we need to do. Why is that? Relationships are important. Relationships need to be valuable to us. Because God wants to use you, not just to influence your own family, God wants to use you to influence the others, uh, that your community, right? So to have any significant relationship that, that, that we want to sustain and endure time, we have to adopt this we principle. Everybody say we principle. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, <clears throat> Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. In other words, he, he, the, the word, the scriptures, Paul is encouraging those that are being encouragers. He's saying it's important that you encourage others. It's important that you believe in others. It's important that you make yourself, you know, transparent and vulnerable to serve others. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. You see, in a marriage especially, whenever we want to operate in the we principle versus the me, we got to duplicate the we. What's that mean? We got to duplicate the things together as a team that bring life to our marriage or life to our relationship, that bring health to our relationship, that bring strength to our relationship so that we're strong for God and we're strong in other people's lives. Why is that? God put you on this planet for such a time as this. He designed you. There is nothing happening by chance in your life. I mean, you just cannot take for granted whether it's God's will or not for you to spend the rest of your life with someone. I'll never forget, I, I didn't even look at a girl for eight months when I first got saved, man. I was, God just all over me and probably scared too. But anyway, I remember I talked to Pastor Art and, and it got about a year into it. And I'm like, you know, I really want to find someone. I, I'm going to live this way the rest of my life. I, I want to find someone to marry. And everybody had their opinion. So I said, Pastor Art, I need to meet with you. He said, okay, come on in. So I'm sitting there meeting. I said, man, I just can't understand why so many. I said, do you believe it's God's will 
for someone to, that, that, that there's only one person for you to marry? And he said, well, you know, not necessarily. You know, people can miss it, hit it, but I believe God works with, I said, wait a minute, Pastor Art. You know, here I am, the novice. And I said, if God, it's gotta be God's will where I go to school. It's gotta be God's will where I work, right? It needs to be God's will. You need to pray what community you need to live in and where you need to be. If all these things are involved in God's will, his perfect will for my life, how in the world would the person I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with, how could I even take an opportunity to miss God's perfect will? He said, well, he called me Junior, right? Married all Junior. He said, well, Junior, let me put it this way. For most people, it's not that way. But for you, it obviously is. God has one specific person for you, right? And, and I stuck to my guns with that, right? And, and, and I, I wrote it out, and look what God did. He brought us together, and I definitely married way, 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 way up, right? You know, to the love of my life. And what I want you to realize is never, never underestimate. It's the same way with your bestie friend or whoever or whatever. People that you engage with, people that you allow to be have significant influence in your life or you're a significant influence in their life, you've got to operate by the we. If you operate by the me, it's all about me, it's all about what I want, the relationship is not going to be healthy and it's definitely not going to last very long. So what do we need to do? We need to duplicate the we and run from the me. So what are we talking about here? So in, 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 uh, in order to know each person's likes and dislikes, so when you're in a relationship with someone, you start learning what they like, right? You start learning what they dislike, and then you adopt that, and you bring that into your life as best you can, right? And, and likewise, and so on. So the we principle is necessary to experience true success, happiness, and fulfillment in any significant relationship in our life. As we think about it, in a marriage relationship, the marital relationship, each person enters that marriage with their own rules for happiness, their own rules for love. Remember, we've talked about it over recent years here, Pastor Mark and Steph and I and others, that, you know, we all have values. But, you know, you have good values and bad values. You have healthy values and unhealthy values. And so whenever we begin to, something that would be the opposite of love is a value for you. So love, well, how is your value? Okay, every value has a rule, right? So you ever had a, someone, a parent, a friend, a work associate, maybe even a, someone in ministry, and you rarely would say no to them. It could be over something insignificant because if you said no to them, you didn't say no. You said, I don't like you or I don't love you, or I'm angry at you. Instead of them just taking it for face value, you're being honest and transparent. No, I don't have time. No, I can't do that. And, and what is that? that? That's come to a person where they feel like, we, I love you, you're my spiritual son or daughter, or I love you, you're my spouse, or I love you, whatever, you're my pastor. But if you, if you don't operate by the rules I do, in other words, you don't say no to me, right? You, you do it my way. Because the me way is all about my way. The me way is selfishness, right? And, and what happens in that relationship, any kind of relationship, guys, we're selfish in, any kind, it's going to be an unhealthy uh, relationship at best. So we all come into marriage, we all come into any relationship with someone else, even the way we have friendships, right? Your friends, you and your friends, what? You have values and rules. As, and when you're younger, 
Who cares? But as you get older and you got families and you go on vacation together or whatever, all those things are significant and important. And it's really critical that you begin to study your own life. You begin to say, why was I upset? Why did I get so tore up when they said they couldn't go on vacation? They promised they would. Or why am I so angry at them, you know, because they didn't show up and we were supposed to do something Saturday? Whatever it might be, you, you got to ask yourself the why. You got to begin to coach yourself as well and get counsel and help from others. Because if you're constantly my best friend, and next month it's another best friend, a good friend, or, you know, you're dating and, oh, this is the one, and then a month later, another one and another one. Or you're in a marriage, it's like we had a good week, but we had a bad month. We had an okay month, we had a bad year or a bad decade. What's that saying? It's saying that you're going about it the wrong way. And I guarantee you, it will begin with those two little letters, M-E. Anytime there's a situation in our life, that's why love never quits. That's why love never fails. That's why love never gives up, right? The reason it is, that's the way Christ what, loved the church as himself. And what I want you to realize, if I truly love someone as myself and I make those decisions daily, then I'm going to show grace toward them. I'm going to sacrifice toward them. I'm going to do some things I don't want to do, but I'll help them do it, right? And, and now, the other side of that coin is, if they don't have the same value as you or you guys are not transparent and you're not having strategic communication, it's going to be one-sided. And, and all you're doing is is enhancing that person to be dysfunctional. You're, you're encouraging them to be dysfunctional. You don't even mean to. You're complicit with what they're doing because you're not doing it in a loving way and speaking up or getting help or getting counsel. You know, Mark talked about getting uh, counseling, he and Katie. You know, he talked about that last week, and they're very open and transparent. Steph and I, anytime we have counseling, you know, we, we talk about it too. Why? Because sometimes you just need to go another level up with people that specialize in certain things, especially godly people, and, and get coached up. Because if you don't, you're just going to keep the vicious cycle over and over and over. And I promise you, the demand that's going to be going on in your life is not we, it'll be me. So whenever we look at I want a marriage that, see, if me says, I want a marriage that works for me, right? I want a marriage that works for me. Everybody's looking for the, the guy or the gal that's attractive to me, the one that really thinks I'm hot or awesome, the one that thinks I'm brilliant, the one that's, you know, it's all about me. What do I want? I want to, you know, some of you girls, you know, you're like, you're praying, well, I want him to be this tall. I want him to be that. I'm like, that's Clark Kent. He's dead. He's gone. That's not going to happen. Some of you guys, your eyes is way bigger. My mama said, your eyes is bigger than your belly, son. Your eyes is bigger than your dreams because I'm telling you what, you need to come down to reality and find out who God has for you because it's, it's a three-level pier whenever you're looking for a spouse. I call it a three-level house, three-story. The first thing is level one, you want to be attracted to one another, right? Isn't that a big part of it? Level two is I want to be lined up solically with that person. In other words, the same, we're going in the same direction. That doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going into ministry, I'm going to be in ministry. I need to know that Steph's called the ministry. If not, we're going to be unevenly yoked and, and, and it'll bring a lot of confusion and hurt or maybe she hadn't discovered it. But we knew that, so it was easy for us, right? And then the third one is, the third story, the most important, is the spiritual walk. You got to line up spiritually, have similar doctrines and beliefs, Right? People marry people because, you know, it's a mission field in their neighborhood. And I'm just telling you, it ends up a broken, messed up neighborhood. So the greater ideal 
an expectation we should have. It's not about me, and I want a relationship for me. I want a ministry for me. I want, you know, these great relationships that work for me. It should be about we. We. What? Let us work together to make it come to pass. Let us be that team. You see, we're not going to, wherever we operate in a we, it's about not what works for me, but it's about what works for we, what works for us. What can I do to empower you? What can I say to empower you? And so on. And then there's times we don't do that to one another. But if you built the bank account up, it can sustain. It can make it. I mean, Steph says, we need to go on the back deck and talk. I'm like, the kids are not home now. You can just let me have it right here. I don't have to go outside, right? <laughs> Going out on the deck, you know. I, you know. Okay, honey, where am I missing it? And she's usually right, 99% of the time. But we, we have those strategic communication. Now, me, I'm a little different. We could be in a car, be wherever, and I'll just say, hey, we need to talk about this. But, you know, she likes to, her setting, and she likes to get it in a certain way, and, and, and it works well, obviously. She straightened me out pretty good. Pretty good, anyway. But see, we is about let it work for us together. And when we look at that, we think about our gifts and responsibilities that each one of us have. It's my job to enhance her gifts. It's my responsibility to help her with her responsibility. It's her responsibility to help me with mine. It's her, 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 her responsibility to help me with my gifting. Now, that could be ministry, career, whatever it is. But what I want you to realize, guys, we is different than me because it let us, it says let us do it together. Because what? Two, what, are one thing, but three, like a three-standard cord, they could not just put 10,000, but they could put a million to flight. And what I want you to realize, if you want to empower one another, then what you need to do is begin to learn what your spouse, your friends, your significant other, what's their gifts, Right? What's their gifts? What, what, what do they love? What, how can I enhance it? What do, maybe I can't help, but I know someone. I got a friend that can help them. Whatever it is, it's our responsibility to take responsibility, and it's our responsibility to enhance someone else's gifts that we believe we're in a significant relationship with. Now, as we begin to do that, we begin to think about that, we're doing it for each other, but also our relationship needs to have guardrails, right? And that's something Steph and I talk about. We, we set up, when we were dating, we set up guardrails in our life. Like, we're gonna be in agreement on how many kids we have. We're gonna be in agreement on where we're gonna live. We're gonna be in agreement on these things. We'll be in agreement about ministry, what we believe. We're gonna be in agreement about what kind of income or what, how we, what's our goals. And, and those things expanded over time, but it's important because where, where we do not agree, the house is gonna fall. It's not going to stand. And there's so much, you just, oh, no, she's talking about that, or he's saying that a lot, and they want this or don't want that. Ah, oh, I'll win them over. They'll figure it out. They'll, you know, yeah, you know, then it becomes the highway or my way, you know, 10 years into the marriage. So it's important that we put guardrails. Steph and I, we always did this for ministry, not because it's not just guardrails in our relationship, but we do this ministry-wide. And we don't allow any staff to ride with the opposite sex by themselves. If they get in a bind like that, they sit in the back of the vehicle, right? Because we don't want anything to dishonor them. Um, things like, you know, that, that we, uh, we got to have guardrails about who our friends are. There's some people I'll be hanging out with that say, honey, uh, you know, 
I know you kind of love those people, this, but I think we need to back off that relationship. And there's people that she, she's involved with friends right now. I said, man, I, I, every time you're with that person, it's like, oh, you're just, it's just not you. I think we need to back off that. And we honor that with one another. And there's been times I get puffy over it. <laughs> okay, knowing that I'm going to submit, right? Because like Prophet Trout said, you're not truly in submission until you submit, submit to something you don't agree with. That's when you find out if you're submitted or not. So we put all kinds of different guardrails, you know, in, around. Not, not legalistic things. Not things that, you know, would that are goofy or weird. It's just things to what? Protect someone's gifts. To pre- protect one another's gifts. To be responsible for each other's responsibilities. And if you do that in your relationships, whatever those guardrails you guys determine they are through the word of God first and, and through your life and your experiences and where you want to go and what you want to do, that's what's going to really bring control. So in other words, we is greater than me. Why? We help each other understand their own heart. You know, that's something Steph and I talk about a lot. We, we know each other's heart really well. And we help each other develop their own voice. Now, that's the thing Mark was even hitting last week as I watched it, and, and that was, you know, finding what lights Katie up, man. Finding what, you know, gets her desire going, her passion. And, and guys, I don't know what generation you're in or whatever, but it is important that in your generation that, that you come to the conclusion that I'm here to find out what makes my wife light up. I'm here to find out, man, where her dream is. It, it may be, you know, sitting for an hour every Tuesday in a park by herself reading a book, but good, whatever it is, whatever lights her up, or it may be, you know, a step up in a career, whatever. So we need to find, now, we also need to make sure it's in alignment with our agreement of our covenant. We need to make sure it's in alignment with our belief system. We need to make sure it's in alignment with our values and our family. We can't just say, oh, I want to do that and go do it. I'll never forget the first year of Bible college, I was in Pastor Rod's, and that, it's Valor Christian University now, but then it was... Uh, World Harvest Bible Institute, and there was like, I don't know, 200 students, 220 the first year, and we were part, Steph was the very first student that signed up, and um, and so uh, there was this lady, I don't know if you remember this lady, she she came and she's testifying at, at the first day of school, well, what are you going to, well, what's your calling, my calling is, I'm going to be a missionary to China, well, when are you going, I'm going in a year or six months, whatever, well, first of all, you got to complete school, but I'm going, it's like Sue. Say, okay, but she said, well, what, you have family? Yeah, I have family. I have like five kids, but my husband's taking care of them in another state. Pastor Rod heard about that. He said, elders, go get this young lady and teach her what family's about and love her and help her get home. And said, if you can't, if you can't be a missionary to your own family, you don't need to be a missionary to China. So, so we put guardrails in ministry. We put guardrails in relationships not to control but just so you can go through the lines and you can get to where you want to go and get there in one piece and healthy, amen? So um, another way is as we help each other, you know, turn the lights on, right? Light each other up. Now, Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So in our heart, God puts purpose in you. God puts a desire in you. You say, well, well what kind of guy do you think you'll marry? You, I don't know. You really know. It's in there. What kind of gal do you think, you know, you're going to marry? Or what, what kind of person are you going to date? What kind of person are you going to be in a relationship with, right? And it, it, it's in you. 
You just got to take time to get alone with God. And you got to find someone you can have confidence in and be confidential and express to them so they can help you walk through it and navigate it. Because whatever God's purpose and plan is, it doesn't just begin in the scripture. It begins in your heart. And once you settle that, and once you make that decision, I'll never forget, and I'm going, I'm going kind of quick because Pastor Steph and I are going to do a little question and answer thing here in a few minutes. But I'll never forget when Parker, you've heard me tell his story, I knew he had a calling to preach and all that, but I was never going to put that on him. And uh, uh, some of the leaders, youth leaders, came to the house, and Parker, and, you know, they're, hey, Pastor D, Pastor D. I was in there watching TV, you know. Hey, it's Sunday night, you know. Did you hear? Did you hear? I said, hear what? I said, Parker, Parker's called to the ministry. He's called to preach. I said, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I believe that. He said, well, well he's going to preach this. We want him and two or three other students to preach their first message this month, and, and he needs to preach. But you got to help us. He won't agree to do it right now. And, I said, and he said, well, guys, I told you. I'm praying about it. Once I pray it through it, I know. So when they left, he, I said, so what's up, bud? And he's like, Dad, I realize I watch you and Mom and how you have to live your life. I'm like... You 17 or 16 then, Parker, sophomore or junior? Were you 16 or 17 then? 16. He says, I'm just 16 years old, Dad. I still got to finish high school. I got to go to college. And I know if I accept the call to preach, it's, it's forever. And I know if I accept the call to preach, I, I, I've got to live a different life than a lot of my friends live. And it's going to be hard. And I said, you're making a great decision. Don't let anyone force you into something, even if it's something good and you know. But within a few months, I think it was a couple months or whatever, he decided to preach, and he's done it ever since. But now when he hit, you heard him a couple, uh, when he did his last sermon, he talked about how he got kind of in a rut and, you know, was a little bit discouraged. And, man, this ministry thing, I don't know, and some confusion there. And then he got along with God, and then God solidified it in his heart. And, and what I want you to realize, guys, in your heart's where the purpose is. In your heart's where the dream is. The word reflects it. It's a mirror. But in your heart is where it's at. I'll never forget, and I'll wrap up with this, and then, and then we'll have Pastor Steph come up. But um, whenever I received the calling to preach, I, I received the calling to preach when I was uh, 23. And so I've been preaching now, gosh, man, 60, so whatever that is, 230s or whatever. <laughs> a long time. I've been preaching the gospel a long time. Um, <clears throat> But I'll never forget, I felt, you know, in our little Nazarene church, you know, and I loved our church, you know, everybody's, after worship, well, after two hymns were sung and the book was closed and offering was taken to prayer, then it was testimony time. Get everybody fired up before the preacher gets up. And, you know, sometimes it didn't fire everybody up. Sometimes it's bragging on the devil, right? And people just go, oh, please shut that person up. Other people be anointed. And I, ever so often, I'd do that. And people would clap at us and some of those little prayer ladies would grab me. Now, honey, you know you got a calling on your life. You know, I was like, oh, no, I'm no calling on my life. I'm just trying to stay out of hell right now. I have no calling on my life. Yeah. You know. But sure enough, I had that calling, and I wrestled with it. And I wanted Pastor Art to tell me so desperately I was called. I wanted him to tell me that. In the beginning, I wrestled with it because I was in business, and things were really going good then. And I, I just say, I'm going to live in a little block green, lime green block house by a little church somewhere with 15 people in it. Lord, I don't think I could do that, you know. But see, I, I didn't align my purpose with his purpose. I didn't see this. I had to, on blind, not blind faith, but trust faith, trusting God, accept that calling. And I'll never forget, there was a, a, a service man, it was a Sunday night, and everybody is just a really good, strong uh, crowd, and, and uh, one of the Older guys, not older, he was probably in his 40s. He's a, uh, in uh, education. 
and he's a Sunday school teacher, and he came up and knelt down, he's crying, and I went up and knelt down. It's one of those messages that really made you introspective. I'm wrestling with God. God, if I have to, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I'll never forget this. The other gentleman was beside me, and all of a sudden, the elders were around him. I'm the young guy. The elders had their hands all over him. They said, we just want to give you the good news. Tell them, brother so-and-so. And he stood up bawling, I'm called to preach. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. I just had a burden for brother so-and-so. I'm good, right? I'm good, right? <laughs> but, man, I'm about, I just about turned my total life away from God because of that running from the purpose. So when it's really God's purpose, you'll run to it. And it's a miraculous story how I did receive that call within a few months of that, I think about eight months of that, and, and started my life in ministry, but I was still not full-time minister or paid at that time. Why did I say that? You know, we have guardrails in our life, and they're there for a reason. And God has guardrails for you and I. You know, it's kind of like the Nazarite vow, right? Some people can, some people can't. You can't value it. You can't judge other people because they do or don't. That's not what holiness is. Holiness is living the gospel, living the gospel out every day. You, you can't judge somebody else by what they do or don't or because you're convicted of it, right? You got to go by what the word says and love people and trust and let God deal with them if you feel it's out of the guardrails. But there are certain things that God put on my life that they're not really sin, but I know I can't do that. I just know I can't mess with that or whatever, right? And, and so what I want you to realize, God has guardrails for our health, for our goodness, and for our favor. Why? Not for me, but for we. Because every one of us are important to God because we influence someone else. We influence others. And we can make a difference, an eternal difference in people's lives. I mean, that's greater than a politician or anything, right, or a great business person. We can make an eternal difference in someone's life by just sharing our, our story through a relationship. And not only is it about the guardrails, it's also about digging that purpose out, realizing that if I will step in faith, God will guide my steps. Didn't say he'll take the step, right? And that's kind of the way I was. Well, God, if you really call me, you really want me to, right, I'll, I'll take that step. I, I, was, I was fleecing, I was doing everything. And finally, you know, uh, really, I had backslid from God for months over that, over that. Eventually, I just got so cold in my heart and stuff. And when I finally did accept the calling to preach, and I was meeting with Pastor Art, and, and I said, Pastor Art, man, did you know I was called to preach? He said, of course, I knew that the first week you got saved. I said, well, why did you let me be miserable for eight months of my life and just about turned totally on God and everything. It's been a horrible eight months. He said, here's why, Junior. Because when the hard times come and the tough times come, and believe me, they will with the calling you have on your life, you won't quit because you know that you know your preacher didn't call you, your mom didn't call you, your buddy didn't call you. It was between you and the Heavenly Father. Man, so... I want to encourage you, man. Maybe your marriage is not what you think it should be. You know where it starts? With you. With you. What if you exemplify love at a higher level? What if you, you know, get focused on what they're focused on? You help with what they're involved in. You support their gifts. You support their responsibilities. I promise you, what happens is it begins to turn the tide. And before long, they're going to want to help you with your giftings. They're going to help you with your responsibilities and your commitments. Because every one of us are the apple of God's eye. Every one of us are significant to the Heavenly Father. Every one of us have an appointed time, an appointed destiny to be on this planet for such a time as this.
God doesn't make junk, and God doesn't make mistakes, and God made you. Give God a big shout of praise, if you will. Everybody say, I choose we. Amen. Pastor Mark's going to come up, and he's going to uh, interrogate, I mean, ask questions to me. No, I'm just kidding. No, he's so gifted at this. Mark's Interrogate. I like that. Now, How's everybody doing? That, that's not in the guardrail there. No, so I'm going to do a little Q&A, a little interview with the two of them. Uh, 27 years they've been married. Um, I've been with them at Bethel. Well, come up a little closer, Michael. Okay, there we go. Um, so I've been with them for 22, and uh, I've learned a lot from the two of them in marriage and, um, hey, how do we do this? And... Katie and I have both said many times, if uh, it wasn't for them, we're not sure we'd be married. Um, so, you guys okay if we take like 15, 20 minutes to do this? I probably, by the time we get to the end of it, you're going to be like, wait, can we take longer? Um, so let me ask you a question. We'll go, go past Steph first since he's been talking. Um, what's something you, <laughs> you thought you knew when you got married? that turns out you weren't so right about that. Like you had to flip the script on what you thought you knew and then you got married for a little bit and you realized it was different than what you thought. I mean, unless you were right from the very beginning. That means you have to admit you might have been wrong at one time. <laughs> I'm feeling interrogated right now. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think with anything in life, you, you think you know things and as you go through life, you realize what I thought I knew, I realized either I didn't have a full perspective on um, or perspective expanded. And then some things um, just totally changed. I mean, you know, you think about when you first get married and, and you think about, you know, the wedding and planning and, and the excitement of all that. And we had, we had such a great time when we were dating. We dated three years, and we traveled the world mm -hmm. with Pastor Rod, and I mean, we we did a lot of pretty incredible things. And then we <laughs> went into marriage. We had a thousand people at the wedding that day. Yeah, it's crazy. And we're like, life is just going to be a celebration, and we're going to be celebrating our entire life, right? Wrong. <laughs> and, and and I think, um, yes, I think it it was easy. And things just kind of flowed. Um, and so as life happens, you find out that things that, you know, things change. And so, you know, eight years, 10 years, 15, 20 years later, there's times where I'll look at him and go, he's not the same guy that, like, I married, you know, so many years ago. Or, or, or sometimes I look and go, who, who is he? And I'm sure he does the same to me because... We change, we evolve, and that's why he talked about that critical conversations. That's why critical conversations and communication all throughout is so important because life evolves. That's good. So just summing, like sometimes we think we know how it's, like the way it starts is not how it's going to finish. It's not how it plays out. And, and by the way, just about everything they're probably going to share with us will apply in any season and any relationship, doesn't matter if you're married or dating or widowed or um, 
never want to date because you don't need that mess in your life. I mean, you don't need that in your life. So, okay, so the, the evolution of it, I like it. Um, you, you want to answer that one or I got another question for you? I actually covered it. Okay, so let me ask you this one. This is a fun one. Come back to you on. So what is a, an area where you had to learn a hard lesson? Like humble yourself where you kind of came to a point where you realized I'm hurting our relationship. And you had to humble yourself and, and change. Mm -hmm. Well, Steph, one of her gifts is she's a peacemaker. That's really the trait, one of the trait of her. You know, she's a, um, a peacemaker, and <clears throat> she loves her gift as, you know, acts of service, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and when me, I'm like, you know, and then she's an achiever too, right? Well, I'm obviously an achiever too, and... But my personality is not a peace, peacemaker personality all the time, right? Does this shock everyone? <laughs> you know? shocks everyone, And yes. I'm kind of more, you know, and I didn't realize it early on in our, our marriage until uh, I was around my family. And they're like, man, why are you so mean to Stephanie? I said, what do you mean I'm not mean? I just answered her. I didn't even realize how I answered her or if I wanted to do something or say something. And over, over the years, you just kind of start, like she said, you start adapting. Hopefully, I've turned into somebody that, you know, she didn't know that she likes better, right, or loves better, and I know she does, but um, so it's really things like that, Mark, that you just go, wow, or, or uh, you know, we talked about our Wendy's moment before, you know, where she breaks out crying after Pierce was born, and and uh, that, that was a crazy time. We were just bought our first building, we're just renovating it, and everybody's working, and she is leading worship and doing all these things, and and she just had enough. She had Parker, a little toddler, and you had Pierce, and then she's trying to lead worship, and she also worked in the office. And I'm going, you know, seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day, too. We're just run, run, run. And she said, let's go to lunch. I said, okay. And that's back when they let you smoke in Wendy's. Oh, God, man. It's over on Nicholsville Road. And, you know, you had those They weren't people. smoking, just no, in no, case you were no. curious there. No. But, oh, God, you couldn't breathe in there, man. Those old guys in there at lunch. And, man, she just breaks down, starts crying. I'm like, stop, buddy, stop. What are you crying? What's going on? She, she couldn't even tell me. She's just bubbling. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're pastors. We're new pastors. We haven't been here. We haven't been here more than a year yet. What do you, what do you? And then she finally told me. She said, you're, you're going to have to help. I said, help? What do I got to do? What do I got to do? And she said, well, you know, you need to take Parker and have him spend a lot more time with you so I can take care of Pierce. And it ended up being such a God thing. I, I took that to heart. I'd take him with me and do stuff. And what's so cool, Parker and I formed such a strong relationship and bond. And then when Pierce was about four, because Parker, I coached him in baseball and all that. And when Pierce was about four, she said, okay, another talk, right? Uh, said, it's time for us to switch back. I, I need to spend more time with Parker, you know, and, and, and you really need to establish, Pierce is really attached to me. I, I think you need to be observant of that. He's not just the little brother or the youngest son, the baby, you know, you need to focus on him. I said, okay, yes, ma'am, that works. I'll, I'll go with the other advice. And it worked. And I started coaching him and I started spending more time with him. So what's been so cool in our family is we've got to build bonds and relationships, but that comes from strategic communication. That comes from even if you don't agree, you agree, and you do your best to make it work. Just fortunately, we agree on a lot of things. Amen. Yeah, and, and my perspective of the Wendy's moment was um... different. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got plenty to talk about me. Go for it. You know? Well, it came from a moment when it wasn't the we, 
but from my perspective, it was all about the knee. So, you know, I think he was golfing or getting a massage or something like that. And I was home with Pierce. No, I know. I remember what it was. Oh, yeah. oh. Well, I remember one of them. Now, I don't know, but. Pierce had, he had jaundice and, you know, it was early. Like, he hadn't been home like a week or something. And I'm like, what the? You know, where do you think you're going? You know, do something fun for yourself at that moment. Yeah. You know, this is about we right now. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so, but honestly, again, I think one of the lessons we've learned through that is is consistently kind of pausing in a moment before a decision's made. That and, and we're good about that much better now than we were early on, uh, both of us, before we make a major decision, just stopping and saying, I know what I want, but what is best for we? Okay, so I want to make a quick observation of what he shared. Because it took me a long time to learn this one. I was slow. But when she had intuition about family, he followed her lead. And if you're young, like in young married, that means you've been married like 10 years or less. Because like we got some years up here. Um, Like I I didn't know that my wife was better at that than me. Or I didn't acknowledge it. And so trusting your spouse's intuition, and, and he has intuition about different stuff, like when it comes to vision and moving the church forward, and, and Steph's over here, like, she's, we've referred to the bean counter, but she's, she's counting the numbers and looking at the budget, but he's the visionary, and, and she trusts his lead. So it, it flip-flops, but you've got to learn to trust the strengths in your spouse, and gentlemen, she's almost always right when it comes to relational yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. whether that's with your kids, or it's with, I don't know about that person, or I don't... Like, Steph has a sixth sense. If Steph says something, and we know this is a team even, not even just at the church. Like, if she says, I'm not sure about that person, we're like, okay. If we don't fight it, we just pay attention. Well, so, I, believe, I believe all women do. I believe that's one of the traits that God gave women that's, uh, that's a greater radar or zoning in of intuition, especially about relationships and about families. <clears throat> and, and that's part of what I was talking about in the message today is it's up to us to enhance, to to support, you know, their gifts. That's part of their gifts. Now, ladies, let me say this. If you're not in a healthy place, sometimes your intuition's wacky, right? I can't believe you went down to the store. Was there some girl down there? It wasn't. No, it went to get eggs and milk. I mean, you know, so, so, you know, everything we're talking about has to come from even guardrails we put on each other. It's not to control. It, it, it's got to be from a healthy place. And there's going to be times you're not in a healthy place. There's times that that's why we have those talks sometimes, right? I think, too, with that, it's so important to recognize. Did he he die? Did I mute it? Check, check. I didn't turn it off, I promise. (laughs) Um, So I think think that's so important, and that's where critical communication is so important because, um, you know, the longer you're together in a relationship, and again, this is not just marriage, this is people you work with, but it, it's more intimate in a marriage setting. I'll know when he's in a bad place. He'll know when I'm in a bad place. But that's not when you walk to him and go, what's your problem, man? Get out of that funk. You know, typically that's not the best approach. Sometimes it is, but there's other times that he'll just say, if I come in and go, you know, is it really this or that? If he just stonewalls me, that just ticks me off more. So at that moment, he, he has learned over years to say, well, babe, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we could look at it this way. Are you sure that that's what you were feeling in that moment? Let's talk that out a little more. Mm-hmm. And typically, 
men, women need to talk things out. And not like over and over and rehash things, but to feel at, there's times where I'll just say, okay, I, okay, I have clarity now. I have peace now. And he'll well, discover the purpose in our heart because our purpose is one, even though it manifests differently, right? But it's still one, no? When, <clears> and it's and I'll just use that then, like Pastor started today. I said it last week, but most of you, if you have intention in your marriage, which is statistically the majority in the room, are like in a place where there's some tension that's unresolved, okay? Um, it's not a lack of love. It's a lack of understanding and alignment. And do you hear how much of everything they're sharing, no matter what the question is, it's we had to talk, we had to pause, we had to have communication, we had to give space for each other's heart, we had to get better. It's all about understanding and alignment. Because if you'll take time to understand and align, then, then you can get through anything. Well, and also, um, oh, shoot, with that, um, what were we talking about? What were you talking about right there? Oh, and there's times with her intuition, she'll say, you need to call Bill. You need to call Dr. Barker, Corey Barker, or, you know, as comes here. You need to call Ed Trout. You need to call probably, you, or you need to call this friend or that person because she's like, you don't want to talk to me about, you know, I'm fine. No, you're not fine. You know, call them or visit them. I don't care. Just do it, right? There's been times where she told me, you just need to take a few days. Several times in our marriage, like, not that I'm angry. It's just, uh, you need to take a few days to get along with God. What's God got to say? I don't know, you know. And I'm okay, you know. And her, she's right. I mean, that intuition in her is so strong. You know? And some of the greatest breakthrough, revelation, God-defining moments have come mm -hmm. in those moments yeah. when you trusted that and got away. Okay, so this is off script. This isn't a question that I told you I was going to ask, but you touched on it because you coached Parker and then you coached Pierce and talk, because this is a big hot topic. Like it used to be, whether it's sports or just activity in general, um, we didn't have stuff on Sunday and Wednesday. Not the case anymore. How did you as pastors and parents navigate the whole balance of church and ministry and family and making them feel a priority, but not trumping church and all that. That's a big thing. That is a big thing in families um, now. You know, I think... There's really two sides to it, though. There's the, the side of, of um, how does it affect others and their walk, their relationship, what are they missing? So, like, Parker, he made the all-star team. I said, you can go, they, they could be, he could be on a travel team when he's young, but in baseball, you're going every weekend. I'm like, babe, we can't do that. You're not going to do that. You're not at the age, blah, blah, blah. When you get 13 or 14, we'll talk about it some. And uh, I let him play All-Stars one year. He, he, he only played All-Stars one year because you're traveling all summer. And I'm like, mom can't be with you. I can't be with you. And not only that, I don't want you away from church. I want you influence. I don't need this baseball team to be the greatest influence in your life. They're good kids, but... There's one or two, you're like, I don't want you hanging out with them all summer long, right? And so the other side of that is, you know, you know, leave margin where we would rotate and do some things too because we want them to know we love them and we want them to know that that we, we put them, you know, God and each other and them first right there, right? So the other side of that is we always navigate, we're very sensitive about competition. Right now, our boys are very competitive. You know them. You get them out back. There could be a party going on. They're over there banging on each other, playing basketball, throwing rock, whatever it is. It's a competition. But one of the things I'm, I'm I so admire about them, and this is intentional, they're not comp in competition about life. They cheer each other on. And I mean, it didn't matter. You know, Parker cheered Pierce on. 
Pierce cheered Parker on in sports. Now they're doing real estate together. They cheer each other on. And I'm so, I'm more proud of them other than serving God and honoring us. That's the, the, the next thing I'm so proud about them about. They would fight for one another, man. You, they, they, I'm just learning this. They're older now. My God, they talk way more. Than, you know, if I need to know something, they won't give up on each other, right? But I, oh, he's all right, Dad. Or, yeah, he's all right, Dad, you know. And so I'll go, okay, okay, everything's good, right? But it's so cool. We were very intentional when, whenever we had Pierce. When we said, now, we are not going to put them in competition with one another, right? We want them to know they're loved equally by us because they have all of our love. That help? Yeah, I don't know that that answered the question about the, too much about the good. sports, but that was really good. Yeah. I, I think the other thing is. Oh. <laughs> I want to know if she really loves me or did she just we, say we I'm like stupid? What she say? To see. <laughs> I, I think one thing that, you know, we did is, is we talked to Parker, we talked to Pierce about what were their end goals. You know, Parker was like, I, I'm not going to play. You know, I'm not going to the Major League Baseball. And so that's not really, it, it's not worth us as a family spending all that time, all that money to do that, because ultimately that's not what I want to do. Now, I will say, um, they have friends that were at every All-Star game, every summer, every game, and some, some played college, and some burned out and said, I don't want to see another ball, I don't want to touch another glove, I am so done with this, because that's what my parents wanted me to do, it wasn't what I wanted to do. So again, it goes back to communication. Pierce played AAU and traveled some in basketball. He, he thought about doing college and uh, basketball and could have if he wanted, but he just said, you know what? Again, I'm kind of done, like even the amount I traveled. I think it, it, you just have to communicate. Well, we weren't these weird religious parents, you know, like, oh, you know, you can't do this or put these definite, you can't, it's Sunday, you go to hell. Going we to didn't hell. do that. We would do that limited, but but the big thing that we did, I just wanted to know they were all in, and that's another thing I'm so proud about the boys. They're all every team they've been on, they've been leaders. They've been all in, and we we were at every practice, and they were at every game. We weren't those kind of parents like, well, it's a little stressful, you know. What we committed to, we committed to, and we finished it. But it's some of that stuff at such an early age is a little over the top, I think, and it and you start seeing it in families. Because we used to have to, even locally, when it was practiced, you know, six days a week, she's at one field, I'm at one field because of their age difference. So we didn't get to spend a weekend already together because even if you weren't traveling, right? And a lot of parents are doing that, and I've just seen marriages grow cold. I've seen relationships with kids, and, and then parents are not in a regular setting with their kids on their time off. They're coaching them or they're, you know, on them, trying to get them to be good at something. And, and they lit, miss the father-son relationship, the mother-son-daughter relationship, whatever, because all they see them is, is in a realm of competition. They don't see them as, as dad, that's mom. And all of that bleeds over into home. Now, I'm not saying you can't do those things. You need to do it wisely and, and, and healthy with some guardrails around it. So good. Um, I, I can't skip past it because you talked about the whole competition thing. The reason they didn't compete is because they saw that in you guys. So... Like, I mentioned it last week because I know it's been a decision for you guys that you're not going to compete with each other. Just talk about that for a second because that's huge. Yeah, I, I think just, you know, we established early on that we both recognized that we I mean, had. we had mid in a month and made that decision. Yeah, and I think we both knew. We both had giftings. We both felt confident in the giftings that we had. And we made it very clear from the beginning that, you know, I'm going to celebrate you 
And I loved how Mark, how you framed the words yes, last week when you said, I, and I think it's what we've done for each other. Um, I've paved the way so that you could be successful. And you have paved the way so that I can be successful. We've always tried, and we've done that with, with people around us, with our family. We've, we just had a conversation not too long ago about a particular person and said, what can we do to help clear a path for success for that person? And, and that's, that was outside of the family situation. Um, but I think we were just never, we were just never in competition, but I've seen marriages compete and it creates uh, an enormous amount of tension and well, lack of understanding. Well, it's me, it's not we. Because it goes back to me, not we. Unless there's monopoly or a card game involved. Now that's, that's different. different. <laughs> <laughs> We've had. Remember, uh, we're competitive. I'm just talking about. We're talking about life in life, general. Life, because yes, yes. marriage is tough enough, right? It's beautiful. It's amazing, but it's like making that big old, you know, uh, chocolate cake or something. Man, you got powder all over you, and you got stuff laying all over the kitchen. And at the end, you look at it and go, "That's amazing." But I'm gonna wait a while to eat it because I'm wore out from making that. You know, I don't have to worry about that because I don't make cake. But I know my mom used to do that. But it it, it is. It's really critical, and I, I just. Can't say enough how many times that saved us. Again, what's that mean? That means you're investing in the bank of your relationship. So when we do have the times that she's like, I don't know what he's thinking, or I say, what's up with her? Why is she jumping on me? We, we don't even really argue, and she's huffy around the house, and I, I haven't done it. I'm thinking, what I do? Did I say, you know, and we rarely have that, but when we do, there's enough trust in the bank and enough celebration in the bank that we can grace each other for a day or two or three or maybe a week before we just say, we got to have a hard conversation. But if, you, if, you, if you're always nitpicking and doing this and that and competitive, what happens is you don't have anything in the bank, right? And then little things become huge things. You know, I think over years, the most sexy thing in a marriage is... Mm. You got everybody's attention now. I want to write that down. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologize. You know, I did do a series on weird sex one time, right? We did. Now we just lost the room. Well done, well done. Because I think you missed the point. Say that again. They might have missed it. You totally went over What's the most sexy thing in a marriage? To say, I'm sorry. There we go. I apologize. I learned that. That goes both ways. Yeah, because that's just that, you know, it wasn't that way early on, but over years, you know, it's funny how, like, you know, he talks about we go out on the deck and talk or whatever. And at that point, usually we both end up apologizing about whatever. And I thought you meant this and you thought I meant that or whatever, you know. You know, at that point, then, you're, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm a little more turned on right now than I was prior to. Because up to that point, I was just ticked off and couldn't see you other than I'm just mad at you because yeah. of the stupid things you did. But when you say I'm sorry, don't hit me. <laughs> we might need counseling up here. No, no. I'm that not makes sense not what I'm saying, that. though. Like in yeah. that moment when there's an apology or a I'm sorry, all of a sudden it's like okay. Well, one of the I things see it, I see it differently. One of the things we made an agreement. Another one. This was early on in our dating relationship. Said when we're married, we're going to come into covenant. Number one, we're not going to compete with one another. We're going to come into covenant that. You know, we will agree on our dreams, our visions. At least they align together. They don't have to be the same. And we're going to make a covenant that we will not go to sleep 
in a fight. Now, there's been two or three nights in 27 years that it was close. It might have been four in the morning getting up off the couch and repenting, you know what I'm saying? But, but rarely did that ever happen. And then she and I can't stand it if there's clouds above us. We hate that. We just hate it. We got enough stress in our life. I don't need stress at home, right? And she doesn't need it. We, we, we got people that we serve with. We got businesses. We got church to do and life and kids. Who, who has time to sit around and huff and puff through the house? I don't have the energy to hold a grudge. I'm not for an hour or two or half a day that I'm, let's fight, kiss, make up. We're going to do something. This is done. I, I just can't handle it, you know. And she's great at it too. So that's really helped us along the way. Keeping that air clear, you know, over, over. That's good. One last one. So you're in a different season of life now. Empty nest. Um, what are you learning in this season in married life? And I kind of want to explain it because not everybody here is married or whatever. But, like, that's 27 years. You're learning. You're growing. Maybe it's what you're learning in your marriage in this season. Or maybe it's what you've learned just in 27 years of being married that applies to everything. Well, I think the first thing is that um, we're still married and we still love each other. But that was very intentional. I like that hand motion better. Than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was very intentional because when, when, the, when the babies were young and we were like, oh, we can't leave them. We can't leave them. You know, we made the covenant to each other. We, we went on vacation every year without them. Now, thank God for grandparents that were able to make that happen. And I, um, But we were intentional to date. And we do a vacation with them, but we, we made sure alone. we had one week yeah. a year, she and I, alone. I mean, Out I of Some of y'all, you just, like, we learned that from the, like, take that one. You are not letting your kids down if you get away just the two of you. It could They'll be, a be, long fine. Weekend. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be resilient. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you got Hawaii, need a microphone. Go ahead. Steph, you got Hawaii. You I haven't been to Hawaii. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I, I think we've dated. Uh, and we may not have called it dating always, but we always did things that we enjoyed together. And I think now that we're in a new season, we're not, we're not just, he's not a stranger to me. Yeah, and, that's that's and that's a, a lot biggie, of families yeah. that I've watched, they put so they invested so much time in their children, and all their energy went to the children that they took their eyes off of each other. Yeah. And I think to have a healthy marriage, it has to start with this, and then the kids, they just they just as he's been talking about guardrails, they just kind of live in the guardrails that you place. But it starts here. It can't. Well, and we had guardrails like with the boys, right? I remember I came in one time and they had her crying. They were messing with her, and I'm like, "What are y'all doing?" And she, she's like, "You just need to whip or do something." You know, she just tore up. And I mean, they were, you know, those Dalton boys. They could get you going. And I said something, and they, I said, "What are you doing? That's my wife." They're like, what's my mom? And I stood between her and them. I said, yeah, but I'll hurt you over my wife. You don't mess with my wife. She's my wife before she's your mother. Don't ever forget that. And, and we made a covenant that we would not allow our children to put us, you know, to play us knowingly. Sometimes you get played knowingly, unknowingly. <laughs> but we didn't like, you know, well, go to mom. And they knew, you know, 
we would usually talk well, about. Let me it. say something to that then. So when major decisions were made in regards to parenting, we knew to never make major parenting decisions before we talked about it first. Mm -hmm. There were times where we even didn't answer a question uh, or make a, a, a commitment to our children because we knew we, I, we need to talk this through and make sure we're on the same page. And when you talk about, uh, Mark, when you were talking about, you know, intuition and knowing things, especially when it came to raising two teenage boys, there were a lot of times where I just like wanted to do a certain thing, and, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't and, he, and he'd say, honey, it'll be okay, calm down. Let's talk this through because this is how we need to approach this. If you approach it one way, you're going to drive them away. But if you approach it another way, you're going to create a space for love and a soft landing. That's good. Anything you want to add about this new season you're in? You kind of chimed in already. Oh, yeah. So new season. So, yeah, now it's like, well, we're finding new things that we mm -hmm. enjoy together. So many of you know, like, we've been doing these home flips and stuff and it's honestly because now, like, we're not at a ball game, a basketball court. A, we actually a, have a, some evenings. Like, we, you know, we were doing, we went on a date on Friday afternoon because we didn't want to be in all the craziness this weekend. And then we went and did a couple things that, with flipping, and we're like, what? We actually, like, really enjoy this. So I would say find things that you enjoy together, whatever that is, and whether it's hiking or golfing or boating or whatever just find things you do together don't force things don't force what you love on the other person but again me before we i mean we before me so find out what you love together that's good um anybody got some takeaways from what just happened up here can we give them a little give them a little love <laughs> there are people in your life who have wisdom Ask questions, and you'll learn a whole lot of stuff. Uh, so hopefully this served you guys. Um, just a couple things. Well, should, time to, why, don't you, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray, Steph? You preach. Do you want to pray? Sure. Okay, let's pray, and then I'm going to give you a couple things before we wrap up. You know, as we pray, I was thinking, um, as I was coming in this morning, just about just those that are a part of the Bethel family. And, um, you know, we've watched so many of you walk through tough stuff, walk through financial distress, walk through lawsuits, walk through cancer, walk through just deciding whether we want to divorce or not. And I just, I want to encourage you this morning, you're way stronger than you think. And when I look at the people that have influenced, you know, our marriage, honestly, it's, it's, it's all of us. It's when, I, when I'm driving down the road and I think about a family and go, man, they are going through like what just seems like such a difficult season right now. Nothing seems to be going right, but they're still pushing through. That's just an amazing thing. So I, I just want to encourage you this morning that no matter where you are, whether you're facing the most difficult situation or you're just, everything's just smooth right now. Nothing lasts forever, good or bad. And so I, when, when I go back to that early question about what, I think when it was early, I thought it would always be easy. And, and it's not. But what I learned later is that it's not it's always hard it. either. But it's worth it. That's good. 
it's all, yeah, but the good and the bad, it's worth it. You just, you just have to push through. And, and so this morning, I just want to encourage you. You're way tougher than you thought you could be. You face such harder things than you thought you ever would face. But when you face those things, just know, God put us together. God put me in this place. God has me in this season. And he will lead me to the next season. So let's just pray into that. Heavenly Father, I just am so honored that we are family here at Bethel. Lord, I, I'm just honored to be able to speak into the lives of, of men and women who are much wiser than me and men and women who are coming behind me and alongside of me. Because, Lord, this is the one thing I know. You are a very present help. Always. So, Lord, we just lift up every relationship to you. Could be a parent be a child, a work associate, a spouse, whatever that one thing is that's just nagging, that just keeps us up at night, that just makes us pray a little extra, or whatever relationship that is, God, we know that you are the peace that passes our understanding. You are the joy that continues to be our strength to pick up our feet and to get up every day to move forward because we know that you always come through. Yes. So, Lord, we just simply trust you. Lord, I pray that those that are just struggling today, Lord, God, just let them just draft off of my strength today, God, to know this one thing I know. You are always faithful. Not always on time, my time, but you are always faithful to see every situation through. So, Lord, peace, joy, strength, and above all, Lord, love. Just bathe us in your love that when we feel like we can't love anymore, we just draft on you, Lord, yes. and we pull on your love, because when we have your love in us, we can love those around us at a level that we can't love at our human level. We thank you. We thank you that your goodness and mercy follow us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are more than enough yes. for every situation yes. in your precious name. So we may have been setting you up a little bit, and you didn't know it, because we got something special coming this Tuesday, and if the next three Tuesdays, um, we're going to have some time of prayer just over marriages, over relationships, any relationship, um, and Jacoby and Aletha are going to be leading that, uh, along with some other leadership on the team, and so starting this Tuesday, what time is it at? At, at 6.30 p.m., um, you just want to come out and have a, a safe space to be prayed for, to pray with. Invite you to come out and be a part of that. Um, and then, Pastor Steph, why don't you talk about the women's group, the SOAR women's group? Yeah, so Pam Hager is leading a group called SOAR, and it's specifically for women who have come through 
or have navigated or are currently navigating abusive relationship, whether that's physical, whether that's emotional abuse, um, whether that's been in a relationship or from a parent from the past. Um, I've got her, I don't think she's here today, but um, she did post it on Facebook, so I know it's okay. If Because that is something much more private, we want to honor that here. If that's someone that's speaking to you this morning and you say, man, I'd really like to take the next 10 to 12 weeks and just kind of, you know, heal in some areas. Pam's phone number is 859-421-8010. Again, that's 421-8010. You can send her a text. That's on the Facebook group, on Bethel's Facebook group. You can send her a text and she will reach out to you with more details. 